So we've been in a series that's titled Ready, Set, Go. And today is week five of this series. Actually, today is the conclusion of the series, Ready, Set, Go. And, and as you walked in, I mean, this morning, Joel walked in. He's a Jet fan. He's like, you got my colors up because the Jets. I was like, no, man. What does the color green mean? It means go, right? It, it, it's time to go. And we're ending this series today. It ain't about the Jets, Joel. It, it, it's about it's time to go. And you know, every single one of us in here, we all come from a different background. We all come from a, a, a different place. We were all raised differently, and we're all different people, but we all have one thing in common if we are believers and we've come to a relationship with God through the person of Jesus Christ, and it's this. We have the mandate to go. Every single one of us is called by God to go. And I look at the word go, and it was one, I think it was one of Jesus' favorite phrases, as you read through the New Testament, you're going to find so many different instances where Jesus said to go. He, he still told the, uh, the, the woman who was caught in the act of adultery when, when he said, I don't condemn you now, go and sin no more. When the lepers came to him and said, if you were willing, you can heal us. He looked and said, go on your way, you are made well. When, when the centurion came to him and said, my servant is ill and he's sick, Jesus said, I'll go to him and pray for him. And the centurion said, no, no, you don't need to go just send the word and Jesus said go as you have believed it is done he told the disciples go to the lost sheep of Israel to bring them over to the lame man who was there with his bed he took him he told him take up your mat get up and go to the woman that had been found that had the issue of blood she came and touched the hem of Jesus garment and she and he said to her your faith has made you well go in peace it was one of the words that Jesus constantly used Go. Go is something that we have to understand that it needs to be in our DNA as a believer that we are in motion going forward. And as I talked a minute ago, us telling people about God is a mandate, not a suggestion. Mandate means this, an official order or commission to do something. The authority to carry out a course of action. Someone without authority can't do anything. I was telling them at the evangelist seminar uh, uh, yesterday, my daughters, and I don't know why this is, but they love all the Star Wars movies. I mean, anything Star Wars, they love. As a matter of fact, my six-year-old who's turning seven in May, she already has it. Her birthday party this theme is themed Star Wars. I've got a Stormtrooper outfit I gotta put on and the whole kid in Caboodle. And, 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 and you know, she's been planning this birthday for months that it's gonna be Star Wars. And, and they've watched all the movies except for the current one that's in the theater. And the, early, the only one that they hadn't watched yet was solo and so I was like man I, I'll watch it I always watch movies before they watch it to make sure that it's, it's appropriate content or whatever the case might be and so I was watching solo the other day and and there's this part in the movie where the the young Han Solo he's he's in the war he's fighting and all and the person with the highest level of command dies is, is killed and so he looks to the next guy and he's like where do you want us to go and the guy's like I don't know where do you want us to go he's like you're a captain captain where do you want us to go who's the ranking officer he looks at me and says it's you you're the captain so the guy says well do this or that or the other and and solo does it and he pays attention or whatever but then he follows this guy when he goes to escape from the war from the battle because here's the reality he wasn't a captain 
See, Sola looks at him and, and then the man and says, I, I'm going where you guys going. You guys are thieves. I can tell. And you probably need a pilot. And the guy's like, I'm a captain. He's like, no, you're not. Either you heal very, very quickly or you stole that outfit from somebody because there is a light. Uh, there, there's a laser burn right through the heart. The guy was wearing someone else's uniform. He had usurped the authority of a captain. And that person does not have the power to give you a true mandate. But Jesus does not usurp anyone's authority. He is the one with ultimate authority, and he tells us to go. If you turn your Bibles to the book of Mark, chapter number 16. Mark, chapter 16, we know it as the Great Commission. And in verse number uh, 16 of Mark, chapter 16, 15, 16, 15, Tongue twister. He says, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He who believes and is baptized will be saved, but he who does not believe will be condemned. And these signs will follow all those who believe. In my name, they will cast out demons. They will speak with new tongues. They will take up serpents. And if they eat and drink anything deadly, it will by no means hurt them. They will lay hands on the sick and they will recover. In the book of Matthew chapter number 26, we also see the, or chapter number 28, we also see the great commission where Jesus says he came to them all authority. I just spoke to you about that usurped authority or real authority. All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. He is giving the disciples a clarifying point. All authority is mine now because it's my authority. I can deputize you. I can delegate you to go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. It is a mandate from God to go. Unfortunately, the majority of believers across the planet become stagnant and comfortable and stay. They don't go. They don't tell people about Jesus. They don't tell people about God. And, and can I be honest with you for a second? Y'all all right if I'm okay and I'm honest with you for a second? Sometimes pastors are the worst. How can you say that? I, I ask pastor friends all the time, hey, when's the last time you preached the gospel to somebody? Well, last Sunday. No, 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 no. I'm not talking about when you were doing your job as a pastor on the pulpit. I'm talking about when's the last time you spoke to somebody in a parking lot, at the Costco, at the grocery store, at the dry cleaner? When's the last time you led someone to Christ? See, when you invite someone to church and they come and, the, and, and, and I preach, I, I, yeah, I may be the one that had the opportunity to present the gospel to you, but you came here because someone invited you. So I tell pastor friends all the time, wait, when's the last time you went out and told someone about Jesus? Because it is a mandate for everyone. Because I ask myself questions like this. Have you ever asked yourself the questions of the, the who, the what, the where, the when, the why? Right, the W's. Anybody ever done that before? I mean, we're 3W church, so let's use some more W's. Who, what, when, where, why? And so I read the verse, and you ask the question, who is called to go? So if you put the verse right up for me one more time, it says, go therefore. Now, if we dissect the sentence, go therefore, you would look that the word go is a 
Verb, right? Verb is the action. Go is what you're saying. Who's supposed to go? Well, when a subject is not mentioned is because it is understood that the subject is you. So this sentence truly reads, you go and make disciples of all nations. Jesus was talking to his disciples. We are his disciples when we surrender to God and start that relationship with him. We are being the ones that are called to go. So we ask the question, who's called to go? Everyone, all of us, many times as believers, and I sat where you're sitting, right? Many times as believers, you, you, you think that, well, it's the pastor's responsibility. It's the apostle's responsibility, the teacher, the evangelist. It's their responsibility, the prophet, the fivefold ministry. They're the ones that are called. Nobody, we're all called to go. So the first question, who's called to go? And then you maybe ask yourself the question, like, where are we supposed to go? Like, where do I go? And Jesus clarified this to the disciples in Acts chapter number one. If you go to Acts chapter one, starting in verse number four, this is right before Jesus ascends into heaven, after he gives the disciples the great commission. He says to him here in Acts chapter one, if my Bible will cooperate... And being assembled together with them, he commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, you have heard from me, for John truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. Therefore, when they had come together, they asked him, saying, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? And he said to them, it is not for you to know times or seasons which the Father has put in his own authority, but you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Jesus talked there about four places where the disciples were supposed to go, where you and I are supposed to go. Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the world. So does that mean that today we're supposed to go home, look up a realtor, sell a house, sell everything we own, and all book a one-way ticket to Jerusalem? No. It was an instruction that Jesus was sharing to the disciples. They were in Jerusalem. What did the previous verse say? Don't leave Jerusalem until you receive the power, the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Don't leave. But once you got it, you're going to go to do what? To be a witness for me, to evangelize, to tell people about me. Where are we going to go? Well, you're going to go to Jerusalem. What does Jerusalem represent? Jerusalem represents your city, your area, your neighborhood, your block says, you're going to start where you are here in Jerusalem. Then you're going to stretch out to Judea. What's Judea? If you look at a map, it was Jerusalem and Judea was the larger region. Judea was the area that was larger. So you're going to start in your city. Then you're also going to hit your region, your state, your nation. It's what you're supposed to do. Expand, get out of where you are and do what you're doing. Then you're going to go to Samaria. And there's so much to unpack about Samaria and who the Samaritans were, right? You perhaps have heard the, the most famous evangel evangelistic story, in my opinion, one that we can truly learn from of how to evangelize is in John chapter 4, where Jesus meets the woman at the well. Jesus is there and he sees this woman, a Samaritan woman, a woman from Samaria who come to get water out of the well. And Jesus says to her, hey, can you give me some water? 
The lady looks at Jesus and said, how are you being a Jew talking to me, a Samaritan? If you've ever heard the story of the Good Samaritan, right? We hear that and we've, hear, we've heard it before. The story of the Good Samaritan, there was a man who was robbed, beaten down. A priest came, saw him, and walked by the other way. A Levite came, walked by the other side. But a Samaritan saw him, picked him up, took him to the inn, bandaged him up, paid for his stay, and said, if there's anything else, I will do it. And Jesus asked the people he was teaching that lesson to, who was the neighbor And it's interesting because all the Jews that were with him, they didn't say the Samaritan. They said this, the one who did good. Do you know why they said that? Because Jews and Samaritans were culturally different and they did not associate. So what is Jesus meaning when he tells his disciples and tells us, Go to Jerusalem, your city. Go to Judea, your region, your state, your nation. Go to Samaria. It means cross cultures to tell people about Jesus. I'm sick and tired of everybody being in their own pockets. Heaven ain't going to be like that. You only don't evangelize to people that you like or people that are like you or from the same place as you. We cross borders. We cross cultures. It's often been said that the most segregated time in America is Sundays at 10 a.m. Do you know why that is? Because there is an Asian church, there's a Haitian church, there's the black church, the Hispanic church, the American church. That's not biblical. Man, it got quiet. It's not. We are to cross cultures. And tell everyone that we encounter about Jesus. Invite everyone that we meet and talk to and treat everybody with respect and dignity because we were all created by God. We were all given the life breath of the breath of God. We all come from the same lineage. And we need to extend beyond where we are and cross cultures and divides and socioeconomic status and places where people are from and what they're like or whatever. We need to cross the culture, the barriers in order to be able to tell about Jesus. And just in case the disciples missed it, then he said, and go to the ends of the earth. Like, if you didn't get the point that Jerusalem is inside of Judea and then Samaria and all that, now let me just be very, very clear to the end of the earth. So then you ask yourself the question, who's supposed to go? Everybody. Where are we supposed to do this? Everywhere. Now, let's be clear here for a second. You telling people about Jesus, going and telling people about Jesus is more than just words. Your actions will tell people about Jesus or not. The way you speak will tell people about Jesus or not. The way you act will tell people about Jesus or not. The way you conduct yourself will tell people about Jesus or not. See, you turn around and you say, I'm a Christian, and you tell that to your boss, and you get late to work every day. Guess what? You're not giving to your boss a good example of a Christian who does things the right way. Why? Because our testimony and the way we live our lives is what truly 
will let people know. It's a perfect example when Peter goes to Jesus. If you remember the story, at one point, Peter says to Jesus this, you don't need to die. Jesus tells the disciples, I'm going to die. I'm going to be crucified. I'm, I'm going to be killed. I'm, gonna, I'm the lamb, right? And Peter takes him to the side. He's like, yo, Jesus, look, we got your back. You don't need to die. We'll fight this off. And Jesus tells Peter, depart from me, Satan. I'd never, and just get away from me. Depart from me, Satan. He wasn't telling Peter he was Satan. He was telling him, right now you're being used by the devil to tell me to not walk into my calling, right? So then Peter's like, no way, I'm always gonna be with you. And Jesus says, bro, before the rooster crows, you're gonna deny me three times. Peter's like, never gonna happen. Never say never. The rooster hasn't crowed and Peter's there walking by after they take Jesus. And somebody says, hey, look, it's, it, it's him. He, he's one of the ones that was with Jesus. And Peter's like, no, was it wasn't me. No way. And then you, this is where I'm, I'm getting to this now, right? I'm talking about your testimony is going to say about Je who you are or not. Somebody says, you were with him. You talk like him. You sound like him. Your testimony betrays you. It works both ways. Some of us don't want to tell anybody we're Christians, but when we're acting like God, people can tell there's something different about us without having to say anything. And then there's other of us that we talk, 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 but your actions are like, bro, all you are, I mean... I know, I thought a Cuban way of saying it, but I'm not going to say it. I just, you, you, You're just... You're all talk. Thank you, hon. You're there with me there. You're all talk. They no action. But we're called to go. I, to me, one of the saddest statements I ever heard in my, in my life uh, in, or in ministry, we had somebody one time came to church, gave, gave their life to Christ, got sold out for Christ, started telling everybody about Jesus, got to work, started telling all their coworkers about Jesus. And, and she came back the next service. She goes, Pastor, I have found so many people at my job that are Christians. I was like, really? She's like, yes. I told them about God and what God did and I invited them to church and they said, oh yeah, I'm a Christian too. I go to this church. And the other one said, oh yeah, I'm a Christian too and I go to this church. Isn't that awesome? And I go, no, that's so sad. She's like, what do you mean that's sad? And I said, you've been working there for how long and none of them had ever told you about Jesus. Now that you told them, they're coming out of the closet saying, I'm a Christian too. They were a Christian who was not fulfilling their directive, their order, their mandate to go and tell others about Jesus. And by their character, they probably couldn't notice either. I've, all, I've used this statement for many, many years, and, this, and I always say this. Everything you do either preaches the gospel or detracts from it. Everything you do. Pastor, this message is a little hard today. No, no, no. This message is meant to encourage you and motivate you to get up and go and tell everyone that you have the opportunity to who Jesus is, what Jesus has done, how he changed your life, and how he's willing and able to change theirs too. So I ask, who is supposed to go? Come on. Everyone. Where are we supposed to go? Everywhere. So who, what, when, where, why, right? Who are we to go to? Everyone. Everyone. Amen. Everyone. Heard so many people say, oh, I'm not that. 
I'm not going to waste time on that one because that one is so far gone. No, John 3.16 says that for God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believes in him, whoever should not perish but have everlasting life. Can you understand something? We are dealing with people's eternity. Life on earth is a spectrum of about 80 years if you had a good long life. Eternity is a heck of a lot longer. And you choosing to invite someone to church or not can have a toll on that person's eternity. Can I tell you me? I'm going to tell you my story if that's all right with you. I came to Christ when I was eight years old. But I wasn't a direct invite to church. As a matter of fact, neither was my mom. Someone invited my mom's coworker to a church. And my mom's coworker got to the office and said, man, somebody invited me to this church, but I don't want to go alone. I really don't know anyone. Will you go with me? So my mom got an undirect invitation to a church, indirect, and she went, gave her life to Christ. Two, a month later, took my brother and I, we gave our life to Christ. Can I tell you something? I've been pastoring probably about half my life at this time. I've preached more preachings that I can recall or think and have had the opportunity to lead more people to Christ than I can remember. And it was all a byproduct of someone inviting someone who told my mom, I don't want to go alone to that church. What if that person had not invited? Would I have come to Christ at that age? Would I be today where I am today? I don't know, but I thank God for the person who I don't even know who they are that invited someone who told my mom, I don't want to go alone. And then my mom went along. So who do we tell everyone? We should carry invite cards everywhere we are, everywhere we go. Everybody we can. Hey, man, there's something different about you. Yeah, it's Jesus. Not be afraid to say, what if they judge me? It's all right. They judge you already because of your hair, because of your looks, because of your shoes, because of whatever. People are always judging. That's why the Bible says don't judge. See, if people didn't judge automatically, the Bible would not say don't judge. True or not? Everybody's judging everything. Everybody can find what's wrong in everything. You walk in, everything was perfect. Yeah, but did you notice there was a little piece of paper that was about half a half of a half a centimeter, less than a millimeter. You needed a microscope to see it, but it was out of place. And we feel good because we found something wrong somewhere. I, I know it's not you guys. It's humanity, not you. Not anybody that's here listening on Spotify or wherever we're at. Like, it's not you guys. It's everybody else. So here's the reality. People are already judging. People are already saying. People are already doing. So I'd rather be judged for what I'm doing that's going to have internal prospects and longevity than being judged or lack thereof so that I can look good before people. Use every opportunity that you can to insert God into the conversation. Every opportunity you can. Now, now let's be clear here for a second. Can, can I teach you something for a minute? Is that all right? Is that, is that, you okay with that? Yeah, yeah, you're good, Javi. I can teach you. All right, good. All right, so can I tell you one of the main reasons, in my personal opinion, why people don't want to listen to other people tell them about Jesus? 
because you're disingenuine. We're disingenuine. What do I mean? We have this whole script. We have what we want to say. So we ask you a question, but we don't pay attention to what you're answering. We're already thinking of what we're going to say. You ever had a conversation with somebody who you can tell is thinking about something else while you're answering what they asked you? All the time. I mean, it happens to me all the time. Be genuine. Be real. Be authentic. Why? Because God is genuine, real, and authentic. Because Jesus laid it all out so that you and I can get to the Father. Every opportunity that we can, we need to tell people about Jesus. And every opportunity that we can, we need to show people who Jesus is. How do we show people who Jesus is? By the way we act. Depending on your position, you can do things differently. If you own your company, how amazing. You have the authority there. You can say, hey, whether everybody likes it or not, at 8 a.m., when the clock starts, we're starting with prayer time. You can't make me pray. We are an at-will employer. <laughs> Florida, no fault state. I know it's two different laws, but they're both in Florida. Now, I don't have the authority. I'm just an employee. If you start at 8, you can get there, listen carefully, at 7.30, before you clock in, and sit at your desk, read your Bible, pray, and ask God to show you how to be a blessing to that place. Why before I clock in? Because you honor your boss and show them integrity, honor, righteousness like a Christian, so that then, when there is a situation, you know who they're gonna go ask for, or ask for the prayer? To us. To us. Every opportunity, tell people about Jesus. Show people about Jesus. Your social media, should you choose to have one? Use it to tell people about Jesus. Not to enter debates and arguments and all kinds of different situations. Use it to tell people about Jesus. I mean, it's totally cool to post a picture of you and your spouse and going to have dinner and going doing something with your kids or their achievement. That's totally fine and dandy as well, okay? But I ask you this question, when's the last time, or if somebody were to look at your profile, could they tell that you believe that Jesus is the King of Kings and that he saved you? Could they tell? Could you tell? Somebody showed me a picture of, the, of their spouse today, they've been doing some yard work digging there, putting some you know, dirt and stuff, and the entire face was full of dirt, right? Why, you know, the hands were dirty, you probably went like this or whatever. I didn't need to know what the person was doing to know what they were doing. So I ask you this question. Would people come to Christ just because of the way they see you live your life? Would people come to Christ just because of the way they see you live your life? Because the way we act, the way we speak, what we do, what we say, it's either going to preach the gospel. Because that's what it says. What are we supposed to do? Make disciples, right? 
Your disciples? No. Disciples of God. You're not called to make followers of you. You're called to make followers of Christ. Do you know what God does when he sees the amount of division in the body of Christ? He gets sad. Probably gets upset. I've told you before, be very grateful I'm not God. I'd throw lightning bolts. Burn out the ele- all the wirings in a bunch of different churches who already think about themselves and not about the body of Christ. Because the impact is not a church growing. The impact is the church growing. Who is the church? You and I are. We are the body of Christ, the church, the bride of Jesus. And we are called to go. In every situation, we're called to go. I'm going to share this story that I know a couple of you in here are tired of hearing, but I'm going to share it anyways because there's some people that are new, okay? When I was in high school, probably about 14 years old or so, give or take, my brother, my best friend, and I were playing touch football right in front of our house. We were playing football against the neighbors and his friends. It was three on three. And as we're playing the game, somebody drove by, his car drove by, so we had to, you know, get out. Of Nobody plays on the street anymore, and I, don't, I know why. Don't, it's okay. But, um, you know, like, Abigail goes to ride her bike, and I sit outside watching. The other day, the little kid was like, Mom, there's a guy standing out there. And, I, and the lady walks out. I was like, I'm just watching my daughter ride her bike. Like, chill out. <laughs> <laughs> I was waiting for a squad car to roll up at any time and be like, hey, guys, here's my address, man. I live right there. Um, but anyways, we're playing football. This car passes by. We get out of the way. We start playing again. My brother throws me a pass. I'm running down the sidewalk, right next to the sidewalk. I'm running, and two guys started walking down the sidewalk. And as I run one way, the other one grabbed my chain and literally yanked my chain off as I was running, and it, it popped, and it knocked me down. So I fall to the floor, and I, and I go like this, and I'm like, my chain, my chain, my chain. The other guy runs up to my brother, rips his chain off. I mean, we got mugged in the middle of the street playing football on 32nd Court and 27th Street. Like, it was a good neighborhood, right by the Boys and Girls Club. They take off running down the block to the car that was waiting for them in the corner. I was about 14, 15 years old, and I started chasing them. They're running, running as hard and as fast as I can, screaming at them. You want to know what I was screaming? God bless you! God bless you! God bless you! This full disclosure, I might not act that way today. I don't know, okay? But, and I pray I never have to find out. But I chased them down the entire 30-second court until they got into the car and sped away screaming, God bless you. About six months, a year later, I don't know how much later, my brother is having lunch with my dad at a pizza hut. And they're sitting in a booth, back to back to another booth, and there were some sketchy characters at the other booth, and they were talking about their craziest robberies and mugging situations. <laughs> and one of the guys says, I got the story that'll top it all. We mugged these guys one time. They were playing football, and one of them screamed, just chased me down the block, screaming at me, God bless you. My brother went, Dad, that's the guy that robbed us. <laughs> He's like, 
how can you be so sure? It's like one lunatic in Miami that would run down the street screaming, God bless you at somebody. That's what David did. At the time, my dad was a private investigator, so he, you know, discreetly got up when they left, took their tag. It was a license, it was a car that was stolen, you know, go figure, right? What am I trying to tell you? Can I tell you that I know that maybe on earth, but definitely in heaven, I'm going to meet somebody who the words, God bless you, resonated in because they did something that was wrong, but we're told that God still loved them. And I don't know, I might never meet him on earth. But I know that's going to resonate. And I ask you the question, because when are we supposed to be telling people? All the time. Not just when we're in a good mood. Not just if we like the person. Not just if things are going our way. All the time, we need to be going and telling all that God loves them. All you need to do is have a conversation with someone to know that we're in a hurting and broken world and they're in need of a savior. At the seminar yesterday, I, I, I said a statistic from a study on a scale from zero to 100, what is the propensity on that scale for someone to be receptive to the gospel? And it said things, for example, like when somebody moves, changes their address, they're, they're usually, think it or not, on a scale of 0 to 100, about 20, at 20 on that scale of being receptive to hearing the gospel. But when they have the death of a loved one, it goes to 100. So somebody asked the question, Pastor, how is it that I, in a moment where somebody lost a loved one who maybe is angry, they're angry at God, I've been there, they're angry because someone died, and they ask the question, well, where was God? He's not real. Look at this. You know, they, they, they didn't heal this one, or what's the thing? How do I tell that person? So, and this is what I said. Can you come up here, Joe, a second? I said, at that moment, you don't tell them anything. You say, I don't know either, but I know that he loves us. You just be there. Do you know that there's, thank you. Do you know that there's people that are going to be reached just by the fact that you act with compassion, mercy, and love the way that Jesus acted with compassion, mercy, and love? And all we need to do, man, I've run into people at Lowe's and asked them a question and you can just tell them their face, there's something going on. It's like, hey, you okay? No, I'm, I'm this. Do you mind if I pray for you? You know what's the worst thing they can tell me? No. And, and you know what Jesus covered that? Can you put Matthew up again? Matthew 28. Watch. Jesus said, go into all the world. I've given, I've given authority. There, verse next, verse 19. Go therefore, make disciples of all nations, baptize in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Actually, it was Mark. Go, go to Mark. My bad. I, I said the wrong one. It's the second one in Mark. Verse 16. He who believes and is baptized will be saved. He who does not will, not, will be condemned. Did Jesus anywhere say there that it'd be your fault if they say no? Did anywhere Jesus say, take it personally if somebody you offer to be a blessing and they say no? He says this, if they reject you, they're rejecting me, not you. Pastor, how can I use day-to-day -day opportunities? 
You know what one of my favorite ones is? I cloned it or named it Dave and Buster's Evangelism because this is where I started doing this. I bless my food every time we're going to eat. And I always try to remember to ask the waiter or the waitress, hey, we're going to pray for our food. Is there anything you would like for us to pray for? I've had some people say yes. We were at, a, at an Uncle Julio's in Texas. We went to a pastor's conference and the guy, he, just, he almost started crying. He said, yes. I want to be able to be a better dad to my daughter. And we just prayed with him. At the bank, at the grocery store, in Jerusalem, in Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. On your block, in your city, in your zip code, and even in Hialeah. Go and tell people about Jesus. Come on, on the count of three, say it with me. Ready, set, go. Ready, one, two, three. Ready, set, go.